Welcome back to Vermont Ed Reads. In this episode, we're talking about the comic memoir, Hey Kiddo. As we discuss Jarrett Krasowska's real life story, we find empathy for young people living with the impacts of addiction and mental illness. And we explore other themes, how to really see kids, the importance of representation in books, and the power of flexible pathways. Thanks for joining us as we discuss this award-winning book. Today I'm with Mike Hill and we'll be talking about Hey Kiddo by Jarrett Krasowska. Thanks for joining me, Mike. Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Uh, hi, Jeannie. Um, so my name is Mike Hill and I am the Student Assistance Program Counselor at Burlington High School. I'm honored to be such. Um, so my role definitely doesn't describe what I do. Um, as the Student Assistance Program Counselor, Excellent. You've got your hands full here. Yes, I'm a support staff person, so I like to work very collaboratively with the school counselor department, the guidance counselor department, as well as the admin team, the student support staff team, anybody who needs supports in the realm of substance use issues or education, emotional mental health supports. I'm also a referral stream for the multiple mental health counselors and therapists that we have on campus internally. So we partner with um, Spectrum Youth and Family Services, Riverstone Counseling, Centerpoint, uh, Counseling Connections, and Howard Center, school clinicians. Um, so yeah, I am just a collaborative support staff. Just. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm really delighted to have you to help me talk about this book. And um, Hey Kiddo has a subtitle that I think gives us a lot of clues about what it's about. How I Lost My Mother, Found My Father, and Dealt With Family Addiction. And I wondered if you would um, introduce us to Jarrett because our writer and illustrator of this graphic novel, uh, I'm gonna backtrack on that. Um, my friend uh, Peter Langella at um, Champlain Valley Union High School says we shouldn't be calling them graphic novels and it's true for this one it's really a comic mem memoir and so this is Jarrett talking about his own life and um, would you introduce us to Jarrett and tell us a little bit about how this book begins sure um, and I really like that actually um, comic memoir it really is a comic memoir because Jarrett is a kid who turns into a youth and turns into a young adult and you get to see Jarrett grow up all the way through those stages of life and like Jeannie speaks to really that that subtitle under hey kiddo is it's illustrated beautifully through those stages of his development and his life um, so Jared is a kid who is taken from his mom because his mother deals with addiction via heroin uh, one of the most addicting substances that we come across as a society um, and he is adopted by his grandparents specifically his grandfather um, and with with that love with that adoption he's raised by his grandparents um, his father's never been in his life um, and long 
down in his life, he actually gets to meet his father, but it's not until his teenage years. Um, also, in his, in, in his life, he grows up with his grandparents, and this is a, a different structured family unit. And so a lot of people we see on TV, we see mother, father, and that is a very heteronormative um, family unit. And in reality, in our society, it's, it's, we're, we're transitioning. We need to start opening our minds a lot wider because that heteronormative family unit is not the, the quote-unquote norm anymore. It's, it is what Jared depicts in his um, graphic memoir. I love that you bring that up, Mike, because I I really, one of the things that resonated for me in this book was that I teach kids, like, I've taught kids like Jarrett, right? Kids who aren't being raised by their parents. I've taught so many kids who are being raised by their grandparents, and we make assumptions about what their life's like, and it's totally different. And I wonder if you could speak about um, uh, the empathy that Jarrett provides for us in showing his life. Um, being raised not by the traditional or the I don't love that word traditional but the the societal norm of Mm. a mother and a father yeah I think the empathy that's shown or that we can grab from this graphic memoir is that we see it now more in our documents when we see when we see parents slash guardians we're starting to see that more on school documents, on official documents, on federal documents, because we're, as a society, are starting to realize that the societal norm is no longer the quote-unquote societal norm. Um, we're starting to be more empathetic and be more aware that more youth and young adults are growing up with their grandparents, and more youth and young adults are growing up on, in less heteronormative households. Um, we're starting to gain a more wider understanding around what a family unit can actually look like, not what it should, quote unquote, look like. Um, and I think Jared and his um, graphic memoir really increases that empathy. And it was one section in the, the graphic memoir where his graduation dinner was happening and his grandparents asked hey so all the parents are going to that right and he was uh, slightly embarrassed because he was in middle school and um he's like oh yeah but you, you don't have to go to it it's not a big deal and long story short his grandparents feelings were hurt and he went and spoke to i think it was his his aunt um and and he was like i messed up big time didn't i and she's like yeah you did <laughs> um, <laughs> She's a good foil to him in that she calls him on yeah, it, right? Yeah, totally. I was struck by that same passage, mm-hmm. and I, the thing I thought about is he's ashamed of that his parent, his mom isn't in his life. He's ashamed of his grandparents. They're older. They're not as cool or hip as his friend's mm-hmm, parents, mm-hmm. right? Like they don't. They're not going to fit in. So he's mm-hmm. got that shame, and then he alienates them, and he feels shame for that yeah, as well. Yeah, and then what is awesome and amazing is that right after that passage he makes amends he makes repairs and he invites them to the dinner and then lo and behold he's at the dinner he's at the dance and he's looking across what to, to all the other parents and he writes 
And he says everybody's parents were older, younger, like single, together, divorced. And he even speaks to how the parental guardian units are different in themselves as well. And so it was really amazing to see that depicted. And just going back to what Jeannie was talking about, it really does raise your empathy in regards to like becoming more aware and getting more comfortable around not getting used to the what the the, the family unit should look like or the societal norm should be like in regards to a, a parent or family unit. Uh, one of the really interesting things about this book and his relationship with his grandparents to me is that um, these are not perfect people, like, right? His grandmother, no. <laughs> like, smokes all the time and swears. Like, there's all this, like, dysfunction in his house. And yet he's so loved, right? And, and his um, talents, his artistic talents, his interest in art is really nurtured. And so there's something about the full humanity with which he writes about his grandparents. They're not idealized. Um, uh, and yet, even in all their dysfunction, you really feel the love for him and their um, uh, belief in his um, potential. Yeah, I think that is one of the most amazing things about the book because it really touches upon just depicting a realistic family structure. Like, I'm imag when I was reading this book, I was imagining myself as a middle schooler or a high schooler reading this graphic memoir and, and not thinking to myself, oh, this is not real, or oh, this, this, this can't be me, because the grandmother was, like, cursing up a storm or drinking heavily, or that when they went to dinner, Jared knew their drink, um, like... He knew, he knew their drink order by heart. Um, and that's nothing to laugh at. And at the same time, that was very realistic. Um, I think another thing was the fact that they, they nurtured his talent. Um, and they focused on the fact that, hey, this little boy we love, he has all of these things that are around him that are quote-unquote negative influences um, and we're going to help him focus on the positive. We're going to do everything in our power to pour into him what he loves and, and let him know that we believe in that, that passion that he has. And I think that was extremely potent and powerful as an illustration in this, this graphic memoir because so many of our youth and young adults really feel that way sometimes. Yeah. I really, this, the, the time where his, um, the scene in the book where his grandparents send him off to that special art class at the community mm. college, to me I was like, oh, we didn't call it that then because he's, mm. you know, in his 30s now. Mm. But that's a flexible pathway. Yes, his, exactly. his grandparents yes. find this flexible pathway mm -hmm. to help mm -hmm. him um, grow his art even yeah. further. Yeah, and that's exactly what it was. Um, and that's exactly what they did because they didn't have 
that art at his school. Um, and so his grandparents thought outside of the box and they they didn't they they, they used the resources that they had at their disposal. Um, and he recognized that too. He he illustrated that like, well my grandparents and they did whatever they could to just drive me there and my aunt drove me or my uncle drove me and so he, he drew the connection of like what whoever could do it my family supported me in bringing me to this flex path. Yeah, and now I love as a, a grown man, a successful uh, author, illustrator, he's written so many of the Lunch Ladies books that are popular with um, younger readers, uh, grades like three to six or three to seven, and some picture books. He's created a scholarship at that same school for um, kids who need support to reach their goals. I love that about him. Um, so the a big arc of this story is uh, Jarrett's going from not knowing why he's not with his mother, um, then finding out that his mother is addicted to heroin uh, in his middle years, and then dealing with his own anger in his adolescent years. Do you want to talk a little bit about his experience as the child of an addict? Yeah, um, that's, so it's, it's not easy to talk about it because it could go either way. Um, I think Jared depicted it in, in a way where it can be very real and, and very truthful because some young adults, they respond in a different way where they, they want to, you know, help their parents or their guardian um, and, and, and be that support and feel like they can do that they can be the change for their parent and guardian um, or it can go the way that Jared depicted it and be like they could be very angry and be very hurt um, and I hey I've, I've done well without you um, I think the reality that Jared depicted in, in the graphic memoir was another aspect of growing that empathy um, not just for for readers but also for well what I mean not just for adult readers but also for youth readers um, again as as a middle school reader or even a high school reader if I'm reading this and and I'm going through this or or I have a friend who's going through this wow like I have someone who's experiencing this like me or who had experiences like me or I can understand where my friend is now um, and that's that's a that's a feeling that is indescribable um, I, that's so important right like we don't want kids to feel like erased by the stories they read and so if you have a family member who's addicted to drugs or who's in prison because of substance use this book is really like I see you like uh, you belong here um, you're you're not alone in this it feels like Jared's like opening up his story as a way to say um, 
this is an experience people have. This is this is life for some people. And and by sharing his vulnerability and sharing this story, including many of the uh, images or drawings from his own sketchbooks, photographs of he and his mom, like these really personal things. And by sharing them, he's letting kids know your story isn't shameful. Yeah. It's worthy of of being in a book. It's something we can you can share. Yeah. It's something that we can talk about. It's something that we can process together. Yeah. Um, and I think that word shame is so important to bring into the conversation because of the stigma around substance use, the stigma around um, how it impacts our families, how it impacts society. Um, one of the, the most important aspects of my, my role as an SAP is before even talking to a young adult is establishing that this is a safe environment that this is an environment where you're not going to be judged, that this is an environment that you can talk to me and it's confidential um, until, you know, there I, until I, I, there's a safety concern. You know, so, like, things need to be put in place in order for you to feel safe to talk about these these things that in our society are viewed as stigmatizing and as shameful, but in in this book, when you when you open it, when you when you when you're reading it, this this graphic memoir, it's it's right there. It's it's out there, and I think Jared does an amazing job in letting readers know that you're not the only one. This isn't, it's not just happening to you. And also that it doesn't mean your parent doesn't love you. Jared's mom loves him intensely. Mm -hmm. uh, at the beginning of the book, I mean, he longs for her as a young child. And there, they have this sweet relationship and she writes to him and she continues to write to him. And her love for him is huge, even though she can't show up for him the way he needs her to show up. Like, both things can be true. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think our students need to know that, too, that an, a parent's substance abuse um, isn't about them. It doesn't mean they don't love them, right? Um, even if it means they're not always um, an acceptable parent. Yeah, and I think that's such an amazing and, and extremely important message that Jerry gets to write and gets to depict, he, he depicts that message so eloquently but delicate, delicately in this, in this graphic memoir. It was like a tightrope walk and it was done so wonderfully in this graphic memoir because those two things can coexist. Um, And at the same time, he was able to illustrate his frustration and anger and his love for his mom, and as well for his father, as well for his grandparents. You're so right about that tightrope image. I love that because I think that he, 
he really does walk this really fine line about like I love my mom and I'm furious with her mm. and by the end of the book he gets to this what I call radical acceptance mm. where he's like she couldn't be there the way I wanted her to be there and I still love her Yes. and he gets there I think in part by becoming a parent himself, right? The end note of the book, his mom does get to meet his his child, at least one of them. And um, uh, and I think that's part of his journey. Yeah. Yeah. I think, and so that that goes back to the empathy building. Like, one of the other layers around the empathy building for this graphic memoir is for the youth and the young adults reading it. Um, cause there's a there's a, a significant section in it where Jared go he does a he, he does a strike for Mother's Day, and so he he doesn't buy his mom a Mother's Day gift, or a Mother's Day card, and he it it's juxtaposed so he he does that and then like there is at the end he speaks to what Jeannie just spoke to in regards to like that acceptance and so you have that layer of empathy that youth and young adults are reading about where they're like wow so they might you might have a, a youth or a young adult reading this book who's right there with Jared where they're extremely frustrated and mad at their parent who's going through exactly what his mom went through with addiction and, and a light bulb might go off and they might actually get it then. And they, in, in that moment, they, they, they might get it. Yeah. His feelings are valid too, right? Yeah. Like he, yes, very it's valid. okay. Valid. He gets to be angry. He yeah. gets to, and I, I think this book just does this, such a superb job of like letting people be their full human self mm-hmm. and no matter how messy it gets. Um, and I, I, love that you're having students read it at he- here at Burlington High School, um, that it's in your library. I know kids are reading this book. I also think it's a great faculty read, uh, teacher read, because it gives us a sense of what some of our students are experiencing in their daily lives mm. um, when their parents are addicted to substances or they're living with grandparents because their parents are in prison or any of those things. Um, have you had kids read it? I I haven't had any of the young adults who I engage with read it, but like you said, it's in it's in the Burlington High School library, um, and so I'm pretty sure some young adults have taken it out of the library and and read it. So one final thing about addiction that I keep thinking about with this book is um, I love that it's a there, addiction is a central theme. But Jarrett never says, don't do drugs, kids. They're bad for you, right? Like, it's not preachy or didactic. Yes, exactly, yeah. He shows the realities Mm -hmm. of his mom's life on Mm -hmm. heroin, but there's never a point at which you feel talked down to as a reader. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a very important piece, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think another piece is that um, it's Jarrett's family unit or the familiar unit that Jared is surrounded around is immediate family unit. So like his grandparents, um, his father who he gets to meet later, and his mother, every individual is 
or had suffered from addiction. So when he meets his father, his father makes reference like he I was in the bottle. Um, his mom's off and on with heroin, and his and his and his grandmother um, was uh, alcoholic, and his mother made reference to that. And what, what I think what was so powerful was the fact that Jared never he, he never touched or never seemed to be influenced by substances and I think a powerful aspect of the graphic memoir was the fact that <clears throat> I think the, the distinct possibility for that was the fact that he had so many positive influences like his grandparents his older aunts and uncle um, and his passion in art and how that was just poured into yeah. and so um, he had the opportunity to focus on his passion and then he had so many examples of like okay if, if, I, do, if I do go down that road what could happen and so I think that was extremely powerful to, to like see in the, in, in the graphic memoir as well and, and he talks in the book about how art, how art is the one place he feels in control. Mm. Uh, and the, while the rest of his life is sort of out of control, mm -hmm. out of his control anyway. Um, and then uh, I saw an interview with him where Jared Krasasco where he talks about looking back at his, he kept all his sketchbooks from when he was a child. And he looks back at them and, and in perusing them he sees all the anger that he had as a child. Um, uh, and I feel like I see, I have seen anger uh, and also control, lack of control show up in students. Um, and so I'm wondering what Jarrett's story and his focus on art and how that gave him some sense of control has to sort of inform us about working with, with students when they show up with that. Um, well, I think it's important to recognize what the underlying message is with with what Jarrett was speaking to and and what art was for Jarrett. Like, every aspect of Jarrett's life was out of his control. Like, he, he didn't get to grow up with his, his biological parents. Um, he didn't get to meet his father. He, he grew up with his grandparents. There was a, as an aspect that he, went, he wanted to go to a, a, uh, a different high school, and his grandparents said, no, he couldn't go to the high school because they thought it was unsafe. Um, but he really, really felt, and like a lot of other youth, um, like middle schoolers, and even high schools, like young adults, really feel like they they really have any power, um, and they can they can have power over certain things. And for Jared, it was just art. For other youth and young adults, it's what they wear, or it's how they style themselves, or. Um, their, their hair, their music. And so youth and young adults, culturally speaking, they, they find what they have control and power over and, and, it, and, it, and they make it their own. And, it, and it's so, we as a society and as educators, we, we should recognize how, how amazing that is and how, like through a strength-based lens, how how 
great that is. Because if you are, just, just remember how it was and what we always just say when we were young, I can't wait to be 18, I can't wait to be a grown up. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then we had an adult tell us, be, be careful what you wish for, you know, be careful because because they're thinking about bills and now we're older, we, we know about bills. Um, <laughs> and so, but remembering as a young adult, we didn't even have control over our bodies. Like biologically and physiologically, we were going through an identity crisis and it was literally showing up on our faces like pimples, growth spurts, our voices were changing. Um, hormones like we couldn't even we didn't even have control of our bodies um, when we were in middle school and high school and so to have control over something feels monumentally powerful and through like I, like I said a strift based lens and just add on to the layer of like what Jared went through art was what he had control over that's resiliency that is um i i can do this i want to do this i need to hold on to this well and there's that powerful moment in the story where he gets published in the his comic gets published in the local newspaper and he feels so there's so much pride in that right that really spurs him forward too and so what you're talking about about strengths-based approaches makes me think about personalized learning and how do we build in opportunities for students to have these powerful moments of um, success or affirmation right? yes, definitely. and public recognition and um, an authentic audience. Those things feel really important and they show up in this book in these quiet ways. Right? His teacher's like, you should submit that. The, the newspaper's got a contest going. He ends up yeah. in the paper. Yeah, that was such a, that was such an amazing moment. And when you when you spoke to like having faculty and staff read this graphic memoir, I was that's exactly the moment I was thinking about because when a teacher like stopped him because he passed, he drew a picture in class and he passed it to another student and the teacher called his name and he was like, oh my god, I've never been called out into the hallway before and like what am I gonna tell my grandfather? And then the teacher was like, let me see it and he opened it up. He looked at it, and he's like, "You drew this?" And Jared was like, "Yeah." He's like, "This is really good." Yes. And so, and that, and so that was the exact that was the exact moment I was thinking when you said faculty and staff should read it because there are so many awesome teachers at Burlington High School who I could totally imagine doing that. Um, and so, yeah. It makes me think about I'm thinking about the contrast between Jared's anger and his talent. And both need to be seen. And anger isn't welcome in schools, right? And yet kids who are angry often have really legitimate reasons for being angry. And how do we help them be seen, right? Like how do we help them express that in more positive ways? And then the other thing we need to see is their distinct talents and abilities and how to help them see that in themselves. So I'm just thinking about that that idea of being seen for your for your worst side your anger and your frustration and your and also for your best side your talent and your you know passion and your um, the the things you've worked really hard to get good at 
sounds like Burlington High School does a good job of seeing those shiny things that kids have worked really hard to get good at. Yeah, yeah. For the most part, yes, it, it does. I, I think what you just spoke to about the anger piece is also important um, because I think the shiny moments and the anger piece are as equal. You know, when a, a youth or a young adult shows us our anger, they're communicating just as much as showing us their shiny piece. When they show us their anger piece, they're communicating. Just They're just doing it in a different way, or they're doing it in a way that is not socially, quote-unquote, acceptable. It's inconvenient. Yeah, it's inconvenient, yeah. Um, so I, I have a four-year-old, and... Um, we were driving home the other night, and I was like, okay, I call him Buggy or Bugaloo. And um, I was like, Buggy, when we get home, we're going to clean up your play area. And he was like, no. And I was like, excuse me? And I didn't say it in a forceful way. I said it just like I said it. I was like, excuse me? And I was like, what's up, Buggy? And he's like, No. And I was like, okay, buddy, so what's up? Why why don't you want to clean up your play area? And he's like, I need, I, I just need help. And I was like, oh, okay. So how can you act in a respectful way? And then he said no again. And I was like, oh, okay. So, buddy, is it, is it, you're just having a hard time asking daddy to help you clean up your play area? And he actually said yes. And so it's just, you know, Normally, and I'm and I was trying. I'm trying to work, you know. When I hear no for my four-year-old, am I hearing no in 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 this in this lens of like defiance, mm-hmm. or am I hearing no and through a lens of like he's four and he's just trying to communicate to me in his best way? It's like getting underneath the emotion or getting underneath the words and finding out what's mm-hmm. really going on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like the grandmother is no good at that. In this book. <laughs> no, no, not at all. No. And the grandfather is amazing at it. Yeah, he's he amazing really at it. Has this yeah. patience and yes. this ability to sort of yes. see yes. that there's something else going on underneath. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why <laughs> him and her work so well together for so long. <laughs> Yes, Um, and he is such a positive force for Jared, Um, and Jared, like, depicts how well and how loving and caring and supportive his grandfather is to him on so many different levels in, in the graphic memoir. So, there was uh, a moment in the graphic memoir where um, he's talking about his grandfather and, like, how his grandfather started from, like, working his way up, and then it it transitions to him working in the factory, Um, and they, they, they transition to lunch, and then his grandfather's like, okay, I'm gonna take you off the line. And I actually want you to start drawing blueprints. And I was just like, wow, is it is it just me or does this grandfather just kind of like find a, finds a way for Jared to just like do his passion anytime, anytime he can? 
So they just, like, anytime you can, like, pick up a pencil or pick up an artistic medium, here you go. Yeah, it's like so often in literature or even in movies, it's like, no, son, you will follow in my footsteps. And his grandfather's like, all right, I'd love it if you took on my business, but you're interested in this, so let's find a way to bring you in in a way that honors you and your skills and still allows us to have this connection. Yes. I just also need to call back to the grandfather's start is that he buys ties. (laughs) <laughs> and then he w- walks around with his corny suit on and sells them. And I think it's during the Depression. Anyway, it's got this sweet, like, how the grandparents met and his, the, at the beginning of the story that I'd just forgotten about until you brought up his, the grandfather's roots. And I don't know, it's just really sweet how he was this um, hardworking guy who also got a little lucky and um, made a good life for his family. Mm-hmm. He is a really good person. Um, yeah. So there's something about this book that's really um, brutal or sad, even though it's hopeful and it ends hopeful as I was reading it. I'm also a mother, a parent, and um, as I was reading it, I just was like, oh, my, my heart hurt for Jarrett and his experience, even though he's really fortunate and this experience has made him this really... Um, successful author illustrator and he's got this great life and this great family now I was still heartbroken for the adolescent Jarrett and the child Jarrett and um, it made me think about another book that came out a couple years ago called The Seventh Wish by Kate Messner Mm, have you heard of that book? I've heard of that book yes so it's about a girl in Vermont whose sister gets uh, addicted to heroin Mm -hmm. and when it came out it caused a little bit of controversy. Some schools, it was designed for like fourth through eighth graders. It was written for that middle grades. And some K to six schools didn't want it in their collection. They thought it was too much for kids. And Kate Mester came out with this statement that I, I still think of, which is that we don't teach the kids we wish we had. We teach the kids we've got, right? And that she doesn't write for the kids we wish. We wish every kid had a happy home life mm. with sane and uh, healthy, well parents, right? Um, but we teach kids whose family members are addicted to substances or struggle with mental illness or have some trauma in their lives. And so there's something about the heartbreak of this book that also felt um, hopeful or necessary does that make sense that makes a lot of sense actually i think and i I don't know if i so i don't know if i would use hopeful but i definitely would say i would use necessary it makes me feel like you, you if you watch a movie nowadays and like the movie has this like happy ending and you're like i feel cheated (laughs) (laughs) and so like I got to the end of Hey Kiddo and he had graduated from high school and everything and I was like oh okay and then uh, and I thought that was the end and then I started reading the 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 thank yous and I was just like oh 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 okay wow there it is 
okay. And, and, and I was, I felt like that was necessary. I felt like, wow, the rest of the story ended the way it should have ended. And at the same time, it didn't have the quote-unquote happy ending. It had the ending it should have had, you know? And I think it, it, that's life. Um, I, I, I think you hit the nail, I think you hit the nail on the head with, with the Kate, with the Kate Mesner quote. Um, this graphic memoir really didn't hold its punches and it's and it was necessary for that um, I think one of the one of the most visceral depictions in the graphic novel um, were the the descriptions and the illustrations of his night terrors Oh my gosh, that was so powerful. Could yes. you say more about that? So, um, when you were speaking to a faculty and staff reading this book and, and like raising the empathy around how youth and young adults dealing with, you know, parents or guardians who might be incarcerated or parents or guardians who are going through addiction, I was also just thinking about parents and like youth and young adults just dealing with any form of trauma and coming into school. And so it goes back to that quote, it's really hard to concentrate on math when you got the wolves at the door. And so, and, and, and his night terrors continued on until middle school. Like they didn't stop until middle school. He, he spoke about having that dream where those monsters um, would come at him and he would look at them and he would stop and he and he, was, and he would look at another one and, and then they continue until middle school and he wouldn't he couldn't get any sleep and that was such a visceral like spine chilling depiction and illustration because that was trauma well and he had to have experienced trauma we're not sure what during yeah. those first years yes. of life when he's living with his mom, mom yes. and while she didn't fortunately use while she was pregnant she started using when mm -hmm. he was an infant yeah. again she mm -hmm. started using again mm -hmm. when he was an infant. Yeah. And, and, and those those images of her um, with the people coming in and out the house and everything and like he and him as like an infant and a toddler like that's that what he that that was all imprinted on him. Um, and so he had early onset trauma. And it wasn't, you know, put in words, but the images were there. Yeah. Those were very visceral, Im impactful images. Um, and so this, this graphic memoir definitely didn't hold, any, hold, its, hold its punches. Um, and so if you are, uh, like... Like you said, a faculty staff, educator, um, yeah. As a librarian, um, I believe really strongly that um, we all, all of us deserve to see ourselves in some way represented in literature. Not all the time. I read lots of books about people unlike me, but that 
especially for young readers, it's really powerful to, to see part of yourself represented in a story. And so this book feels really important to me for that reason, um, that you could see yourself as a sufferer of trauma or as um, somebody dealing with abuse or mental illness in this story, or even as an artist in this story, right? Um, and uh, so I promise to make a, um, a list of other books um, that kids who have uh, family experience of substance abuse um, might want to look at if they need more stories like that. Um, do you have any su to suggest to add to my list? <laughs> um, I think Seven Wishes, Hey Kiddo. I honestly, I'm still working on it as myself, to be honest with you. I am. I am actually in the process of working on that, that list. Um, I'm working on a little library right now. Um, and it's not just going to be for substance uses. I'm going to be for mental health um, and other identities so yeah so that, that thank you for asking me now because I am doing that right now so yeah well we'll put together a list yeah. uh, um, and make sure we put it with a transcript of this podcast I can't thank you enough for lending your expertise and um, having this conversation with me about uh, hey kiddo I really enjoyed it thank you I'm Jeannie Phillips, and this has been an episode of Vermont Ed Reads, talking about what Vermont's educators and students are reading. Thank you to Mike Hill for appearing on this show and talking with me about Hey Kiddo. If you're looking for a copy of Hey Kiddo, check your local library. To find out more about Vermont Ed Reads, including past episodes, upcoming guests, and reads, and a whole lot more, you can visit btedreads.tarrantinstitute.org. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at btedreads. This podcast is a project of the Tarrant Institute for Innovative Education at the University of Vermont.